Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how are we doing tonight? Not too shabby. We got a winning record five days into the season. I mean, a dominant bullpen, you know, hitting home runs like we didn't see at all last year. Um, yeah, they're a juggernaut. They're going all the way. They're going to they're win the World Series. I don't know what to tell you. Yep. It's... Um... <laughs> Might, might as well dream because I don't know if the season's going to even end up happening. So we might as well just dream, I guess. Uh, I know at this point I'm just taking it. I'm just going to like, I know I'm, I'm so torn between like the logical, this whole baseball season is a terrible idea. Part of me and the cram as much baseball into my face as I possibly <laughs> can now before they cancel the season because, Oh God, Oh God, I need it. Yep. Um, so it's a very hard balance to work Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's a bad idea, but it's not my call, and there's baseball, and so I yeah. can't help myself, and that's just how it is. That's the thing. Like, I can't be the, like, the, the noble fan who is like, I'm not going to watch because maybe then they'll see that fans, like, you know, I can't, like... Right. I can't reject it. Like they're putting it in front of me and I love baseball so much. I just have to watch it. Yep. Um, and I've been rewarded for it, which isn't helping. Like, yeah, the, yeah. The Tigers are doing really well. The Rays are doing really well. It's like, the, you know, I write about the Cubs too. They're doing really well. So uh, I, I feel like the baseball gods are at least in tiny ways smiling on us. Yep. Trying. Uh, well, at least us, us specifically, us, us the viewers. Yes. Yeah, the baseball gods are giving the, the big finger so far to like the reds, for example. And obviously the Marlins, the Marlins so, yeah. are being like smited. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they did a, down it's there, not but great. no, I think it, <laughs> well, I've heard rumors about what they may have done, but until those are substantiated, oh I don't think it's fair to run with them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for now, I'll just blame it on all the, the, karma that Derek Jeter has used up in his life. Yeah. Let's go with that. Maybe Don Mattingly too. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, to speak of the Reds, like, you know, the Tigers went in there and got struck out like almost 50 times in three games and took two or three. And then they had a bullpen day yesterday and we saw like the eight through 12 guys in the Tigers bullpen, which were, did not go well. Let's just put it that way. And then uh, they came right back out today with their best bullpen guys and put together nine strong innings and only allowed a couple hits and runs and looked really good a lot of the a lot of the night. So yeah, it's been a pretty pretty weird, interesting start for the Tigers so far. Um, just the fact that they're scoring runs and hitting homers and kind of looking like I don't know. The offense looks like one of those twins teams from like two three years ago before they actually really got good, where they were just hitting yeah. lots of home runs and striking out. Um, and that would be great if that's what they could pull off this year. That'd be that'd be just fine. I mean, there's well, 16 it's really, spots. It, hey, it's just nice to see some offensive oomph from the yeah. team, right? Like, we're, we're I mean, we're not seeing it quite as much from the people you would expect it from, like Miguel Cabrera. Like, and so I, he looks great. Like physically, he looks so good. Um, like he looks, I, I'd argue, at least five years younger than he did last season. Yeah. Um, he was looking but, slow and and big last year a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And he looks like, I mean, I, I hate talking about people's weight as an advantage, but he does look like he's slimmed down and he looks like, like he really took seriously getting into like prime shape during that like lengthy off season. But what we're not seeing yet, I mean, in spite of him hitting a great home run against the Reds, um, he, he's not quite Miggy level, I think, at what we would expect. Like he, he seems like he's not quite seeing the ball the way he used to. Yeah. I think that's like, fair. He's like chasing 
for bats a little bit. And I don't know if that's just because of the like lengthy downtime or if it's just, you know, one of the, the default facts of aging. Um, but like Miguel Cabrera reads baseballs. Like I think it's one of those things that like Ted Williams talks about and how there's like these hitters that are out there that are just natural at being able to see a ball yeah. and to recognize it. And I feel like he just needs to make some sort of an adjustment to either his swing speed or something that's just not matching up to where he was like, you know, eight years ago, seven years ago when he was in his prime. Yeah. And, and, we, and we know I, he's not going to quite get back to that, but yeah, you'd no. hope hopes for some kind of middle ground to be found. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I mean, I think he, he looks, I think he looks like he's almost there. Like, I think he's just trying to find that thing to fine tune himself in. But I think, I think when he gets there, it's going to be really exciting. But in the yeah, meantime, yeah, he doesn't look far. Yeah, got, exactly. Yeah. And we got Jacoby Jones and Jacoby Jones has figured out his timing with those swings. That was a huge problem for him two years ago. And now it looks like he's like, hey, I know how to hit a ball. Yep. Yep. He's not pulling off anymore. Yeah. He's got like the lower hands. He's trying to hit the ball in the air and, and it's absolutely working. Yeah. You know, Miggy looks like not far, though. Like, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like, he took a few, and he's kind of had a tendency to do this, but he'll take some, like, first-pitch fastballs that are just, like, routine right down the middle. And um, and you figure, like, maybe he's trying to set the guys up later in the game because he does think about things that way. But I but I have seen him, like, yeah, not offer at some just absolutely just prime rib right down the middle. Um, and you'd like to see him, yeah, crack a couple more of those out. Um, yeah. They're also, it's also interesting because they're playing that like Victor Martinez um, defense on him where it's like all the, all the infielders are like, you know, 15, 20 steps onto the outfield grass because they know he can't run. And uh, <laughs> he's, he's still shot a few balls uh, through there anyway, and he's still going to hit the ball hard when he, when he makes solid contact. So, you know, I don't know how much that's going to affect things, but um, yeah, it's been funny seeing that defense just like, oh yeah, yeah, getting to that point where you, you might as well just be uh, swinging for the fences, kid, because yeah, it's, it's tough, tough sledding getting ground ball singles anymore. Yeah, I do like that it seems like the Tigers are actually taking seriously the notion of moving him more permanently to DH. Um, like when you got CJ Crone in your roster, why not take advantage of that? And why not give Miguel Cabrera a little bit of breathing room as yeah. much as I know he hates the idea of it. Um, I think it's just, it's better for everyone in the long run. Cause then you get both of those bats in your lineup and then you keep both of those bats healthier, hopefully. So yeah. I, I, I like and, that they seem to be taking that route. Yeah. And at this point, I think CJ, even though he, he botched two plays today and I'm sure everybody will be like, what are you talking about? Like CJ Crone is a pretty good first baseman defensively. Um, I would, I would expect probably better than Miguel is now. Um, certainly moves better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miguel still has really good hands. Like he just kind of always has had good hands and a good arm, but um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it feels like they've, they've come to a firm decision and Ron Gardenhire has actually took him out of some games kind of early, um, which, you know, you never would have saw Brad Osmus do. And I guess that's, you know, some of that is, uh, maybe just Brad Osmus not having the, the cachet or the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the years of experience that, um, Ron Gardenhire and his grandpa Santa Claus beard bring to the table <laughs> where you can't oh really God, argue with him. Call him grandpa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he kind of is, he, he's, he's, uh, he's a very grandfatherly figure and, uh, so, yeah, he seems to take it better, you know, from him. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've still been a little bit like, ah, I wouldn't take his bat out of the lineup in the seventh inning, even with a rally going. They tried to do it tonight and put in Harold Castro um, to run at first base with, oh, I think it was, I think it was Nico at second. I'm not even 100% sure. But then they just bounced into a double play anyway, and it was like, well, God damn it. <laughs> 
Like, I, I appreciate the strategery. And then there was, of course, the strategery of uh, trying to have Jacoby Jones lay down a bunt in game two in the ninth inning to move the runner to second with no outs. and uh, Never bunt. Nope. And, of course, he fouled two off and uh, and then was free to swing away and absolutely mashed a pitch to <laughs> center field to win, basically for the game winner. So, yeah, on the, str- on the strategic front, I'm not sure if Ron Gardner has had, had the best start, but, um, you know, they seem to like him and play for him. And until we... Uh, well, maybe the key with Jacoby this. is just to force him to try to bunt a couple times, and yeah. then he just hits a home run. That yeah, seems gotta, to have gone very well so far. <laughs> you got to get him a good look at the ball a couple times. Um, just give him a sense of failure him. and then annoy him, yeah. <laughs> And then he'll mash something just to show you that you should just be letting him swing. Yep. It's a good good key to success. Yeah, I don't, and, you know, do you really want him squaring up to bunt after he's taken the, the shots in the face um, that he that he's taken over the years? Like, he had another one tonight. I can't even remember which which pitcher it was. I think it was Zimmer, the the guy who started for the Royals. Drilled him right in the, like, the cheek flap, basically. Mm. And he was, he was down for a while. And, um... Tiger fans will, of course, remember the Twins game from, say, oh, 2016. 2017, I think. 2017, yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Pretty early in the year, yeah, where the Twins plunked a bunch of guys, drilled Jacoby in the face, and then Matt Boyd hit Miguel Sano, and then Miguel Sano got mad, and former hockey player and six foot four, 220-pound left-hander Matt Boyd strode down the mound and was just like, yeah, bring <laughs> it, big boy. And uh, fortunately, nothing came to fisticuffs <laughs> at that point, really. There's a little bit with McCann, but um, but yeah, taking those uh, taking a ball to the face has got to really mess with you. Um, he looked okay in the next bat. He did flinch away from one breaking ball, but um, seemed to shake it off. And then Jonathan Scope kind of caught a breaking ball that clipped the shoulder and hit him in the helmet too. So um, none of it was intentional, but yeah, there was a little bit of like, hey, hey, Royals, get your shit together. <laughs> have to start figure uh, yourselves out. Yep, yep. We're gonna have to start at least throwing inside on you guys. Um, at least against Whit Merrifield, since we can't get him out. You know, no you know, other way. It's just impossible. So, might as well hit the guy or uh, take the chance of throwing <laughs> in on his hands a little bit. Yeah, Whit Merrifield is something else. Um, against the Tigers, it's like watching. You know, just like the yeah, it's like it's like Kristen Yelich or something uh, at the plate against the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a magic like he i don't know if he he had a sorcerer somewhere and he was just like make me the best baseball player ever and the sorcerer's like i shall but only against the detroit Tigers. <laughs> yeah if only against your so true rival he's like he's pretty fine elsewhere but like against the tigers he, he's like bloody babe ruth yeah <laughs> yep yep and um yeah he's been a pest he he always is and other than that like we've seen i don't know like a pretty decent showing out of some of the offensive players like the lineup has been decent like goodrum's looked good and played pretty good shortstop um for the most part so far mm-hmm. and looks fine there um you know he gets on base and has power and can run so if he can play shortstop like uh, that's that's a pretty nice little win there so re- returns there have been good jacoby's looked good um maben has contributed as he usually does. Um, I mean, you know, we're looking at CJ Crump. We're looking at a step up from from having Nick out there. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Frankly, I think maybe it's a um, you know an improvement. Yep, I think so. And then yeah, you get him on the base pass, and you know he's he's pretty electric out there. So yeah, I mean, obviously the Tigers don't have any star hitters anymore, but um, but this lineup feels a lot more just like just deep, you know, even with mm-hmm. um, Jamer and Kristen Stewart still struggling, and I don't really know. What's going to happen there? Um, Stewart hit an opposite field 400-foot home run tonight, and that was uh, that was good to see him connect and, and do some damage because he's looked 
a lot like he did last year so far. And then you got Austin Romine, um, who has also like swung the bat and puts together, you know, pretty solid at bats. Has a home run already. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have talked about this just like to death, but I mean the Tigers were just so so woeful at catcher last year. They were like negative five wins above replacement at catcher. So all it takes is like a solid major league catcher of any sort, and you're like, yeah. wow, catcher position's like awesome this year compared to last year. So. Yeah, yeah, it's big, and it's. I think it's valuable too, because I mean, he's going to be a great advantage to have on the team for guys like Reiner and for for Rogers, um, as they kind of come up and see what it's like. Because he's looked really good behind the plate in calling those games and just framing things as he does. So yeah, he he like so far has like called the pitches. Like you know, sometimes yeah. like you with a young pitcher, you're like, well, he, you know, he's scared to throw his change up or whatever. Like yeah, Andrew Romine seems like no, nope, you're going to throw it. I'm going to make you throw it until you're good at it. So. Um, yeah, so he was he was calling for everything from um, from the the Tigers rookies on on uh, Monday, and uh, it wasn't necessarily going well, but uh, but yeah, he's smart back there. Um, should be really good for the young pitchers and stuff. And um, yeah, overall, like it's all it's all looked pretty well. Like I wouldn't have thought coming. This is just how baseball will defy you in every way. But I wouldn't have thought coming into this season, like back in March, that our problem would be the rotation, like that that would be the biggest mm-hmm. problem. <laughs> um, but the, but the rest of the you know the the uh, the club has looked pretty solid, and the rotation is a little thin right now. But um, you know we're hoping we get Daniel Norris. Um, as you were saying yeah. before we got on the air, They're... Daniel Norris seems to be coming back. So. He pitched about 60, 60 pitches down in Toledo. Obviously, they're not playing games, but they are working out inner squad. Um, and I think they said that if he can go another round like that with about you know sixty to seventy pitches, that they're probably going to move him up to the to the big club. So um, that's positive. I think we could see him soon. And we've kind of been prospect spotting in um, Casey Mize's general peer group. Yep. And um, I think we're looking at we would very potentially at least safely maybe see him maybe starting this weekend. I hope so. I'm really hoping. Because we were waiting basically was where we wouldn't add another year to his service time. Um, And I think that timeline runs out the day this podcast airs. Yep, it should be Wednesday because, yeah, the Toronto Blue Jays are starting the monster right-hander Nate Pearson, who everybody should go watch if they just want to see a, you know, like the next maybe Verlander guy if he doesn't get hurt and figures it all out. Because, <laughs> yeah, he's a big uh, big kid, throws throws really hard, has a huge, nasty curveball. Um, so, yeah, that's that should signify that the, the clock period um, is passed for losing a whole year of control. I would say so just because i mean the jays are kind of notorious for gaming control so yeah they've had so many um, good prospects exactly so i think if they're willing to pull up a guy like that that it's it's probably time that the tigers are very realistically considering bringing mize up yeah i mean i think you know going into the season whatever their plans were you know losing jordan zimmerman um and then having dario agrizal who was supposed to start on tuesday go down with a forearm strain that's not good that usually um isn't something that the guy just shakes off after a start or two or a turn or two through through the rotation so we'll just we'll see what happens with him but no one was expecting a whole lot from agrizal anyway so i mean yeah it feels like the, the pathway is clear like you know there's 16 teams in this playoff we're already seeing like half of the nl east just like going through you know, unbearable uh, contortions because of the uh, Marlins COVID situation. Um, things are going real well over there. Like there's, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen. So like if the Tigers, 
have any interest in winning this year, it's kind of there for them to give it a try and bring Casey up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're all hoping. I'm um, hoping it looks like that. And then, you know, you, you plug Manning and Scooble. Um, Mark, on the other podcast, and I have talked about this endlessly, so I'm sure people are sick <laughs> of hearing about our exuberance for putting uh, giddiness almost at putting Manning and Scooble into this bullpen uh, with Soto, Jimenez, Cisneros, and Buck Farmer and uh, kind of doing some work. So that could be really fun um, if we can get to that point. So, yeah, it's been weird. Like, obviously, everybody was probably bummed out on Monday, but Kyle Funkhauser, you know, Bo Burrows are both former starters who've never really developed much past their first year or so on the farm, and we've all been kind of waiting for it, and their prospect rankings have slowly ticked ticked down into the, the teens and then the 20s as the system's gotten better, and you could kind of see why yesterday um, either one of them could be a reliever, but yeah, they I don't know, neither one has looked very good in, in quite some time, really, like over the past year or so. I wasn't real surprised that they didn't look too good. Um, Burroughs is still only 23, so maybe he's got got a chance still. Funkhauser, I don't hold out much hope for. And then we saw Anthony Castro, too, who is one of the just the nicest dudes in the Tiger system. Um, big fan of his. Um, he and Gregory Soto are boys, and they've kind of been together in the struggle to make it all the way to the bigs ever since um, since Soto got to the league. And so seeing the two of them up to, there together um, gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. And Anthony Castro has a nasty breaking ball. Um, He doesn't have the same velocity that we hoped he would have as a reliever, but maybe that will come a little bit. And he's got a pretty wicked cutting four seamer. He could be, um, he could be useful still. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much for people out there about how the bullpen looked on Monday. Um, That those weren't the, your seven best guys necessarily. Um, That was a, just a, you know, we're throwing this together last minute kind of a situation and everybody should be, you know, feeling okay because I thought Michael Fulmer looked reasonably good um, coming back from Tommy John pitching his first game in almost two full years, um, kind of faded late and got hit up. But other than that, like looked pretty Michael Fulmer. Like you'd like to see him get a mile or two hour back in his fastball and build up that durability. But otherwise he looked a lot like his former self, still really aggressive, um, through good sliders, through a few good changeups. Like it, it was fine for, uh, for a first turn back. Um, everybody's got to be patient with him. So well, and speaking of guys who looked great coming back into summer camp physically, like, he looked awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really lean, um, looking Gun strong. Show arm. He like, looked ripped. So, yep. um, yeah, very impressive to see he hadn't kind of, like, like, let himself go. Yep. But he, he definitely looked like he was in great shape to play, so that's awesome. Take your shirt off, Michael Fulmer. Ab check. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what do you mean? But like, no, like. Oh, that's what I'm. No, that's what I want to know. I want to know what his abs look like. Yeah. Like, are, there, are there abs to go with those arms? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know the um, weird, the weird fetishization of the pitching body uh, is is just hilarious to observe on Twitter a lot of the time. Um, or, or bad, whatever. Like, but it's funny. You get people fawning over forearms. Like pitcher forearms are just yep. like artists should draw them. They're incredible. Yeah. But then there's like all these bros like look at his hands. His hands rampant dad bod underneath the jersey. It's hilarious. Yep. It's, you can tell where they focus all of their efforts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, all, all in all, we've had a good time. Um pretty pretty fun five games and uh, hopefully yeah they can, you know, they get Matt Boyd on the mound Wednesday and I guess probably Ivan Nova on Thursday, so we have two real starters going, and you know, hopefully they can pull out at least one more of those games, if not two, and get us on a little roll here. I would like to see something better from Ivan Nova than his first start of the season. It was not, uh, yeah, not 
the best. <laughs> the yeah, he's, he was walking a lot. He had a lot of trouble. I think he didn't get his first strike out of the game until, what, the fifth inning or something like that. It was uh, fairly rough. Yeah, yeah, it was. And he's, you know, he's kind of that way. Like, it, w- it would be ideal if he was, like, um, our, our middle relief, like, long man you know, mop-up guy. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that would be perfect for him at this point. But, he, you know, he's kind of a Mel- Mike Pelfrey guy. Doesn't strike many people out and just kind of pounds the sinker change-up combination and, you know, keeps the, uh, keeps the infielders busy. So, that's Which, in old-school baseball <laughs> terms, is, sounds like a very good thing. But in modern baseball terms, you just can't let guys make that much contact without <laughs> getting your butt kicked most of the time. So it's just the way it goes, unfortunately. Um, speaking of Tigers relievers, though, we got news this week that uh, Alex Wilson, Star Lord himself, yeah, uh, is retiring from baseball, and he was just released from the Tigers earlier this spring. Um, so I guess the Tigers will be his last home in baseball. Um, and I guess he's moving on to work for his agency. So the agency that represented him was the Ballingy Group, and yeah. he will be moving on to work for them in an advisory capacity. So I guess he'll help recruit and uh, and help newly recruited baseball players within the agency. Yeah, that's cool. It's always nice to hear, yeah, like, you know, someone who is like a really tough, you know, baseball player who like was like a role guy and just did whatever he had to do and... and actually have a plan and like go on to, you know, go on to doing something yeah. kind of cool and staying around the game and all that. Um, we know Alex Wilson, what was he? He was getting his master's degree in psychology when, um, last year when we saw him, um, still working on that, um, online or, or, you know, whatever distance learning or something. And, uh, that was pretty cool to hear. And yeah, he's always been someone that you had to like and respect because he, he was never like a great reliever, but you could just give him the ball whenever. And he would, you know, he would go out and try to get the job done Tried to pitch on a broken leg at one point. Um, yep. Just a madman. Um, so, yeah, seems like a cool guy. And, um, yeah, we wish him the best. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's nice to know kind of kind of what he's going on to. Um, I, yeah, I saw he's Mike Gerber. in the game. Former, former Tiger prospect Mike Gerber um, had his first child with his wife uh, the other Aww. day. That's, that's cool. It's nice to keep, keep in touch with these people after you you know, follow them like a weird obsessive from the time they were like 19 or 20 years old. <laughs> it's like, oh, things have turned out well for my young lad, especially at my age now. I, like, I, I take an uncle-ish attitude to most of these people. So, yeah, so that's good um, to, to know that things are working out for some of those guys. And I, I, got, I just want to turn it back real quick to Gregory Soto. Mm-hmm. One Gregory Soto who has looked like an absolute monster um, on the mound so far, looking like some kind of reincarnated non-felon um version of felipe <laughs> vasquez from the from the pirate uh, out there throwing like 98 99 um, absolutely throwing darts um if people aren't familiar with gregory soto he was a starter for a long time and he's always been kind of this hard throwing lefty with good athleticism and a loose arm uh, but he always had like this loopy breaking ball and couldn't spot his his fastball enough to to kind of be a a guy that you could see turning into a future like durable starter where you could run him out there and, and know he would pound the zone for six innings or something. So relief has always kind of been the way things were expected to go, but then he didn't look that good last year. And this year he's gone to a slide step has taken out the big leg kick that used to kind of throw him off balance a little bit. Um, is throwing this harder, tighter, slightly flatter slider. That's just a scud sweeping across the strike zone. Um, and in three outings this year, has just looked absolutely bananas, just spotting 99, 98 on the black on both sides, up and down. Um, you know, we'll see if it, we can keep it going, but he's one of those, 
he's one of those guys that gives you faith because so many like hard throwing, talented looking relievers or or just arms in general in the minor leagues just never never figure it out. Like never figure out how to how to command the ball and um you get jaded. So it's nice to see somebody like come up who you were always like, man, if that guy could just throw strikes, he'd be awesome and uh and look like he's doing it. So it's only a few outings, but um, but it's been very noticeable how much how much he's he's looked better this year. So that's been cool because he'd he'd be a super good weapon to have in this bullpen, um, and that would really give a lot of people a little more confidence in this team. I haven't seen this much stuff in a Tigers bullpen in quite a while. Um, there's always the issue of commanding it, but they actually have like a the potential for a decent unit down there. So. We'll see how that goes. They've got to get the starting rotation worked out so that these guys aren't having to go five or six innings every game. <laughs> but we could use Matt Boyd to pitch a little better. Could use Spencer Turnbull to go a little deeper. But um, yeah, but yeah, overall um, things have been pretty positive so far, and that's all you can ask for because yeah, we didn't even know if we were going to get baseball at all. So I'm t- I'll tell yeah, you. I, I think it's a pleasant surprise to start the season, and I'm definitely not mad at any of it. Yep. Meanwhile, uh, yeah, but <laughs> around the league, things have just gone like terribly awry with the Marlins who have just had, you know, multiple COVID positive COVID tests pop up, you know, a, a day for, I get it seems like the last four or five days. And then it all came to a head when they were supposed to play in Philly. And, you know, basically they ended up putting it to somehow like Rob Manfred, the commissioner didn't make this decision. Uh, the team owner of the Marlins didn't make any decisions. Uh, we didn't see Derek Jeter making these decisions. We didn't see Don Mattingly, the manager, making these decisions. Somehow it was up to the players and their, what, like 25-year-old shortstop, Miguel Rojas, um, to, like, text chat with each other and decide whether or not it was safe to play baseball. Yeah, um, this seems to be the new way of teams deciding things. Which I is... don't remember that in the in the protocols. Um, but, yes, apparently it's just up to the players to just, to um, you know, put their medical skills to work and their epidemiological knowledge to, you know, in, into it and decide what uh, what should happen to you know umpires and team personnel clubhouse attendants you know coaches who are of a more staff. vulnerable age uh yeah that is the craziest like just chunk of malpractice we've seen out of the league and i will only say in the past year because it's just been a constant stream of pure bs um, out of out of major league offices over the past year, like from the way they handled the Astros stuff and the Red Sox thing to attacking the minor leagues um, and talking a whole bunch of smack to try to make their, uh, you know, make their push to trim it down and then getting to trim it down because of the COVID and then trying to divide the players by trying to screw over the wealthy stars and make them look bad. Like it's just been one absolute clown show for a solid year now and i don't really know how rob manfred is going to just be allowed to keep his job going forward not that it's all on him i'm sure the owners <laughs> are behind a lot of this um themselves specifically but holy cow i a, just I, it's, it's insane like the fact that he had the absolute audacity to say that losing an entire team for most of a week was not his version of a nightmare scenario yeah, and they wouldn't consider they they wouldn't consider shutting down the season. And I mean, what is his nightmare scenario? You know, it's like oh, if you know, yeah, well, like if more than dies, one person dies. Person yeah, dies. yeah, it seems and that way. That I really and I've asked this question within our groups and to others, but honestly, I think it's worth pointing out that if it was a team other than the Marlins, yeah, like if it was, you know, the Dodgers. 
if it was the Yankees, would things look different today? And I think it would. Yep. And that's really disappointing because it means that they're not taking it as seriously as they might because competitive, quote unquote, competitive teams aren't the ones currently at risk. Yep. And they're they just want trying to take the money of those teams and their viewing audiences and their markets. Yep. And it's and cash in, cash in in the playoffs. Yep. That's, yeah. that's the whole plan right now. And, uh, yeah, I you know a lot of journalists have have not really covered themselves in glory um, on this story, but we have seen you know a few people at least try to ask Rob Manfred like what is your standard you know like do you guys have any standard for when you would you know do shutdowns or this or that and there's been really you know a lot of evasiveness and just sort of you know I mean they obviously are doing this but it's really felt all along that they're just kind of making it up as they go along yeah. and um and so apparently you know we're not going to go by record this year anymore we're going to go by winning percentage because the Marlins. And now the Phillies, who are, aren't going to play a couple games, I think, if I'm not mistaken, or you know, they're out for a little bit. And then the Washington Nationals took a vote, like at the last minute, um, before going to Among Miami. Players. Yeah, by the players again. Like, you know, do the player, you know, do the players feel safe? Do you want you guys want to go to Miami? And they were like, no, we should probably, you know, chill for a couple days and not go down there. Um, Meanwhile, the Marlins are out here, like, I don't know, like, signing Fernando Rodney and, like, I don't know, putting out a call to, like, every indie ball league around the country looking for a warm body to plug into their rotation. Um, You know, so we're already seeing the competitiveness of of the season, you know, impacted, you know, fairly substantially. Like, yeah, maybe the Marlins weren't going to win anything, but they're still playing against major league teams who are now just going to, you know, run roughshod over these guys. Um, It's the Astros, by the way, that took Rodney. Oh, sorry. Yep, yeah, that's right. But, but they are uh, having an implosion of their bullpen too. Like they just keep losing pitchers, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, the Marlins. They it's keep picking a up a lot of minor, you know, minor contracts and yeah. like guys that haven't played in a while. Um, so I mean, I can't imagine being a player and having your contract selected by the Marlins right now. Yeah, it's gotta like, be a good time. Could could you be like, mm, can I reconsider that? <laughs> like, yeah, but then no, you, you, yeah, but then yeah, you look at what you're gonna get paid and what you've been dreaming for your whole life, and the players yeah. are gonna want to play. Um, and the league is kind of using it against them because they know the players want to play. So pushing the decision to their hands when it should not be in their hands. Um, to, just smacks of them, you know, trying to deflect the blame and put the responsibility for things that the players have no business being responsible for onto them. So it's bad. Um, it's not been great so far. And, you know, you can look at it like, well, maybe this is a wake-up call and everybody tightens up their, their protocols and stuff. But, I mean, I think everybody watching the game realizes that the players are just are not going to be able to restrain themselves during a game from being mm-hmm. excited and doing baseball things. Like it's just, it's just so unnatural um, in, in, in some ways. And I, you know, I don't really want to blame them too much. Um, but you know, th- we had a good example the other day when Spencer Turnbull saw Jacoby Jones catch that fly ball at the wall in Cincinnati and, you know, tried to like give him a bear hug in the dugout and Jacoby Jones, like put his hands out and was like, Oh, ah, you know, did the like, uh, no, no, don't, 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 don't you hug me and walked right past him. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that enthusiasm and adrenaline is part of the game. And that first game in Cincinnati lacked it. Like, it felt weird to transition from, you know, games with no fans in Cincinnati in the preseason to games with no fans in Cincinnati. But now it's a regular season and everything really matters. Um, it sounded like some of the players struggled with that, too. CJ Crone was talking about that, like how they had to, you know, they were kind of reminding each other, like, you know, this is it. You know, this is, this is you know, the regular season now. 
we gotta gotta be a hundred percent gotta do everything right um but yeah without the fans and that sort of opening day excitement you know of, of that whole vibe um it did seem to open a little flat for a lot of guys and it feels like it, you know, yeah. I think maybe it's, that's passed now and they're used to it. But um, yeah, it was, it was a weird, it was a weird weekend to watch that, you know, that start to the season unfold under these conditions. It's been, it's been strange. Um, so yeah, maybe the players will tighten things up and by some, by the grace of God, somehow, you know, we won't Get have the whole season. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it also just raises the specter of like every baseball commenter on Twitter who I don't really feel like I need to add on to in the, in this, in this vein, because this has been almost a unifying voice for everyone is just that it just seems really hard to believe that we're going to be able to get through this. And there are plenty of good arguments why they should probably not be trying. So it is what it is. And we're going to enjoy it because as we said, they're putting baseball in front of us and um, you know, we're baseball junkies. So we're going to, going to be excited and watch baseball and analyze it and have a good old time. But yeah, I mean, this has been the thing. And I had a, a talk with a few commenters um, about this on the site. This has been the thing dragging on, you know, everyone trying to cover the game for the whole past three or four months is just, it's just hard to have the same like degree of enthusiasm without feeling like you're, you know, you're ignoring a very serious problem and, and very serious possibilities and just being extremely Pollyanna-ish about, about the whole thing. So it's just hard to, um, yeah, it's just hard to manage, you know, the, those two perspectives and, and cover the game with the, the normal degree of intensity, um, especially before games started. Now that we had games started, you know, coverage covers itself practically. Like we just, you know, we just follow the stories and, you know, write up the games and, it's a lot easier now, but yeah, it's just, it's just made for a real weird spring on top of what is obviously a very weird spring for the entire world. And our, uh, yeah, I mean, everything's weird, right? Like it's not just baseball, but it does add to it because I think all of us kind of have this ingrained notion of what baseball looks like and how it is and how it behaves. And it's for us as people that write about it on a daily basis, it's what we've built our careers around. And, it's very strange for us even to adapt to it because I think a lot of people wanted baseball back because it would feel normal, right? Yeah. Like you would have that sense of normalcy and something you can lean on and something you know so well, but it's not the same. It's fake fan noise and cardboard cutouts and nobody touching and masks on the field. And it's all very weird and I'm glad to have it for what it is, but it's, it's definitely not baseball as we know it. Yeah. It's not a, a return to normal but it is like, like, yeah, those, those beautiful little hints of normalcy. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, like some of it feels normal, like watching a baseball game on a weeknight, turning that on, doing your, you know, doing chores or cooking or whatever it is you're doing around the house, sitting out, on, you know, by the bonfire, listening to Dan, you know. Getting so excited, I terrify my cats. That's yeah. Baseball for me. I've already, <laughs> I've already gotten really irrationally mad about at least one thing and like had to restrain myself from saying dumb shit on Twitter. So yeah, I mean. <laughs> I've definitely had moments like even today where I was like taking breaks from making dinner and watching a game and I was just like standing there and I'm talking to the TV and I'm like, well, I mean, come on, guys, you you have to pull him now. You have to. Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you thinking? You know, I just love having those conversations with absolutely no one. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, just that, you know, this thing, Mark will do it sometimes too. And maybe this is where I got it. No, I've done this before too, but like, I'll be watching it at bat and I'll just be like, I'll just like tweet like fastball up and in. 
Like, you know, no one knows <laughs> at what point I tweeted this or what the count was or who, who even the batter was, but I'm just like, yeah, call on the pitches. <laughs> I was trying not to do that, but there was one in particular tonight where it was Whit Merrifield, and I was like, it's 3-2, just throw it right up, at, you know, under his hands. <laughs> if you hit him, it's fine. Oh, Don't I do the thing the where ball. I yell at the TV about check swings. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've pointed to base umpires <laughs> who cannot see you have appealed when I want home. them to check and I, I appeal, <laughs> and then I will. I, I start yelling like, "No, he didn't go. He held. Calm down." And then I'm like, "Yeah, that's right." And I'm like, it's just, <laughs> "You miss it. I think you miss having strong opinions about the stupidest things." Like, yep, yeah. It just it just gives you like a whole you know a whole dramatic tableau to like vent your emotions on and you know experience things secondhand and enjoy the game and uh, work through you know past you know, early life trauma and, you know, whatever else needs to go on. You know, it's uh, it's kind of a, a vessel for a lot of things beyond just, you know, sitting down and watching the game. So, yeah, it is. Uh, it feels great to have it back. That's for sure. Um, just um, we can't help keep our other eye from looking very sidelong at um, the advancing cases of, of COVID and, you know, having that in the back of our heads, too. So this whole season is going to be like that. I guess we'll get used to that, too. Um, yeah. New normals um, <laughs> for as long as they last. I don't know. So, yeah, I think that'll about wrap it up, though. Um, we've got about five games in. We'd like to uh, see the Tigers win this series against the Royals because the Royals aren't good. And if the Tigers <laughs> are going to be better than not good this year, they need to beat the Royals and um, yeah. try to make a little uh, early push here against the Cardinals and the Reds and the Pirates, who are the three teams they, they play next, who they should be, you know, competitive with. They're just... There isn't really a juggernaut outside of Minnesota, but um, but yeah, you know, I don't have a whole lot of faith in us beating up on the White Sox, Twins, or, or Indians this year. So going to need to get it done elsewhere for the most part. Do we want to talk a little, a little bit about JV? Oh, yeah, we should talk about JV if people if people don't know. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I think it was, yeah, you know, I know who it was, so I'll say who it was. It was Chan- Chandler Rome, um, yep. I think from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, I'm not 100% sure which paper, but... Um, Longtime beat writer for the Astros, but tweeted out the other night that Justin Verlander um, was going to miss the rest of the season, had suffered a forearm strain and was going to, you know, was going, I, I don't remember specifically if he said there was going to be Tommy John surgery, but he definitely said he did. that he was out he for the season. He didn't say it would be surgery, but he said he would be out for the remainder of the season. Yeah, which means Tommy John surgery um, with a forearm strain to almost any baseball observer. So... Everyone leapt into high gear, um, speculating on what was going to happen and, you know, lamenting that after all these times, Verlander finally had the, the arm injury that he'd eluded longer than anybody and blah, 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 blah. And we're all going on and on about it. And then what was it the next morning? It wasn't even, it was like literally two hours after okay. Chandler posted <laughs> it, that Verlander didn't call him out directly. He didn't like, you know, quote tweet him or anything like that, but he's like, you know, suggestions that my season is over are greatly exaggerated. Uh, you know, I have this kind of situation going on. I'm getting it checked out, hoping to be back in a couple weeks. So, like, yeah, it was definitely. And I mean, who knows? I think they're still waiting to kind of hear what's going on with that. Yeah, he and could how be long. out, but they definitely he's jumped on the again. ten day IL right now, retroactive the twenty fifth. So it's he could be out for the rest of the season. It's a short season, right? Like it's not the same implication as it being, you know, the first week of April and him missing the rest of the season. It's August in two days. Yeah. So him missing the rest of the season is is literally missing two months. Um. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know it's it's a drag, and um, it's it's a drag also because you know at this point Justin Verlander is um, inextricably linked, of course, to the Astros cheating scandal, and <laughs> probably gets yelled at it for more than just about any other player, even though he's not a hitter, because uh, you know he hasn't handled some situations there very well. Public opinion is not super in Justin Verlander's favor at this point, and. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was the usual you know litany of like oh you know what about the roids and you know oh this is what cheaters get and all that kind of stuff which you know that's just what they're gonna have to uh, gonna have to absorb in Houston for probably many years to come. But um, uh, on that note, can I talk a little bit about Jock Peterson? Well, well, one more thing I was gonna say is that if yeah. Justin Verlander is out and does end up having to have Tommy John surgery and misses all of next season. That'll be the end of his career in Houston, and when he comes back, you know, he'll be looking for, you know, some other team, like maybe like a familiar, you know, like welcoming hearth-like place, perhaps. yeah, to come back to to um to work his way back into you know whatever he can do for the um the remainder of his thirties and into his forties. So keep that in mind, folks. We'll just uh, we'll see how that situation plays out. Um, since we were talking about the Astros cheating scandal and kind of the the specter of it that hangs over everything. I just wanted to talk about Jock Peterson because the Dodgers are playing there today. Um, and somebody oh, yeah. asked him about the, the World Series and about, like, you know, the shortened season. And he Yeah, they asked if it was legitimate. That, yeah. yeah, they asked if it was legit. And he said that he didn't think whoever wins the World Series this year needs to have an asterisk next to their name because it's not like they're cheating. And they're not cheating to get to that. They're playing the game and they're not doing anything above and beyond that. And I, I just... It was such subtle, beautiful shade to throw yeah. while sitting at Minute Maid Park. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like the the context would say it all, so he didn't have yeah. to really like point out what he was talking about. Yep. Well, yep. she says it was Dodgers versus Astros, obviously that year, and like you know, it's it's it it definitely was just mm, Chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, I very much appreciated that he wasn't like being an ass about it. Yeah, that was just like using the context of the question and like. Yeah. Oh yeah, they haven't forgot. Yeah, <laughs> beautifully placed shade, and I very much appreciated it. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind having Jock over here one of these days. It's something. Yeah. So that's a guy we've discussed a few times. Yeah, just uh, just a guy that you know can mash it in the seats and has all this swag and isn't really a, a really good player, but is like a fun guy to have on your on your team. Ka- kind of a little bit of like a a, a right field. Ian Kinsler a little bit. Yeah. But more of a power guy than a speed guy. But yeah, but just, uh, yeah, just kind of that irritant type of character. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can totally take his, his point there. Absolutely. Um, and of course there's also been, oh man, I, I wish I could remember the journalist's name, but there's also been new accusations about the the Yankees using um, cameras in center field to steal signs um, yes. as well. And of course, the Red Sox also got busted. And so I'm going to continue to feel like this was probably a very widespread thing that maybe the Astros were the most egregious example of. And maybe the Dodgers didn't do it. But um, but I, I I don't like this because I feel like we're never going to know, you know, how widespread this was. And it was it was probably fairly widespread. It would be my opinion because no one was was watching for it yet. Yeah, so. uh, it was definitely probably more than the the two teams. So it's it's tough to swallow, right? Because you don't want to assume that, you know, your favorite teams were doing it, but a yep. lot of teams probably had their variations of it and not banging on a trash can per se, but doing something a little shady. So yeah, I think that was the thing, like that a lot of people said that it was really just like a well-kept widespread secret that like, you know, that lots of people cheated because they could get away with it. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I been suspicious of out just how many. Yeah, I've been suspicious of Cleveland for years. They they would just put together those weird, you know, weird innings where all of a sudden they would just square up pitches that they had completely whiffed on in the first at bat and hit like three home runs in an inning. You just never know with, with stuff like that. Um, and I know like the Tigers pitchers were always like super obsessed with their signs um, when they were in progressive field. So that I mean, not trying to throw the Indians under the under the bus either because maybe the Tigers were were doing it, which would be hilarious if yeah. they were actually cheating and were that god awful. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just hard to know. It doesn't you know doesn't let the Astros off the hook or anything. And that's not what I'm not what I'm saying, but. I'm always suspicious when it's when it's like, oh, this one team is is the one we're going to take all of our scoring out. I'm always like, eh, I don't know, man. Better check your own backyard. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, let's let's wrap it up there, though. We both got things to go right. Um, it's the busy season, so um, got anything else to promote, and uh, we'll bounce out of here. No, I got nothing right now. I'm hoping to have, I'm going to be recording some more videos this week. So the, the YouTube channel will be back at least with weekly shows um, next week, fingers crossed. Right um, and get some of that stuff out of the way to talk about the new things going on in the season. I don't have anything to destroy. Um, sadly, <laughs> my last video was destroying a baseball. It was my hundredth video. Yeah, you guys should uh, go check that one out. It is, it is interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so there's two versions. There's one that was a, a Little League ball by accident, and that was all cork. Oh yeah, my that God. was the cork ball, yeah. Never, ever try to take apart a Little League ball. Um, yeah, those things the, get all, like, mashed and, like, flat in places after a couple swings. Like, they're weird. They must. Like, sure. like, unbelievable. But taking apart a Major League ball, if you're ever willing to sacrifice the cost of one at a game or, or anything like that, they're actually really neat on the inside. And then um, one of my Twitter followers, who's a doctor in Australia... Um, Matthew, whose name I cannot, last name I cannot remember, but anyway, he shared a picture, um, him and his, one of his kids took apart an Australian league baseball and it was similar, but different yarn on the inside, which I thought was kind of cool. Like there's a very distinctive gray yarn inside of an MLB ball and the Australian ones actually have like a white yarn, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is interesting. Yeah. You just never think about that stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I know. Has anyone ever like gotten, gotten themselves some of that, um, oh, whatever, damn that mud from, was it New Jersey or whatever? You can, it's from, I want to say it's from like Georgia, but I could be wrong. Um, but you can order it and I keep meaning to, but I don't know what I would do with it once I finally had some. Like I want to have some and show it off on the, the channel. You just submit but it for I, like, I mean, this is the problem is it would be expensive, but you'd like submit it for chemical analysis. Like, is there anything unique about this mud in any way? <laughs> or yeah, is it just, just mud? Can we just use any mud? Like that would be like five seconds on the YouTube channel. It's like, I ordered this really expensive, fancy yep. baseball mud. What's it all about? And then you open it up and you're like, oh, okay. It's mud. Yay. Yep. And then I spent $400 to have some, some, <laughs> some researcher told me that it was like nothing distinctive about this mud at all yeah just mud just yep. fancy mud as for me i'm gonna try to write about uh mr gregory soto and how good he's looked and um I'll, maybe i'll throw in a little something about the the three guys who made their debut um carson fulmer looked kind of interesting his his first outing i don't really have a whole lot to say about him yet but we'll see uh we'll see how that plays out other than that he's got that weird twitchy mike clevenger leg kick that made me suggest that yes perhaps he had eaten mike clevenger yesterday <laughs> Yeah. Does the body good. Yep, exactly. All right. Um, We're going to bounce out of here. Um, Everybody enjoy the games the rest of the week. And for as long as um, we we have baseball, um, we're going to have a great time. And uh, the Tigers seem like they might be 
at least entertaining um, enough to probably enough to like break our hearts at some point, which was very hard to do over the past couple of years. So I'm looking forward, yeah. looking forward to just getting dragged um, <laughs> and broken <laughs> by this team, like doing well. Looking for forward to three feeling weeks. things again. Yeah. And then falling apart. So, yep. Yeah, here's uh, here's hoping. All right. <laughs> yeah. You have a good night. Uh, we'll talk you to too. everybody else very soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.